I say to them, how would you treat a guest in your home? And they say, I'd be welcoming. I said exactly the same thing. So when you get someone walking onto your, your front, you know, your, your shop, is are you welcoming? Are you welcoming them into your store? You know, thank you for joining us today. I'm Tony. What's your name? You know, I'm about to get myself a coffee. What can I get you? Tea or a coffee? And sit them down. Let them read a magazine. Let them have a look around. Approach. Don't pounce. And all these little things, you know, are they really be treated as a guest? For freshly brewed discussion on automotive sales and marketing, this is Coffee with Jason. The Coffee with Jason podcast is sponsored by Closers Coffee. For that full-bodied, rich, sweet flavor with a bright acidity. Drink Closers Coffee, stay caffeinated, and keep on closing. Find out more at closerscoffee.ca. All right. Hey, Tony, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come on. Uh, for everybody for, for everybody out there that, that don't know kind of your background and, and what you're doing right now, Tony, if you can kind of give us that two-minute origin story, that is Tony Morris. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I've been in sales for 21 years. I started in a call center environment. I was cold calling the public <laughs> to switch their utility provider. Um, and, and I just, I got good results, but I didn't know why. I didn't know what I did different to everyone else. And what started as me sitting there smashing the phones I then used to get about 15 people around my desk listening to what I did, um, and then they got better results. So my eventually, my role there was more of a trainer, um, coach for the guys around me. Um, I realized there wasn't, you know, it wasn't a career opportunity, so I moved into software sales. My dad always said it was like the backbone of any industry, and you'll always be safe. So I sold software from cold calling, and I did that for six years, did very well. Um, and then I set up my training company, which was now April 2006, 13 years ago. Uh, and it's been an amazing journey. I've, I've now trained just over 320 clients across 60 industries. Um, and it's just, it's been, it's been amazing. I, I've loved every second. And it's allowed me to travel the world and speak in 19 countries now. Um, and it's just been an amazing journey so far, really. That's awesome. And when it's, when it's your passion like that, it's something you really breathe in. It doesn't necessarily feel like work. I mean, it's just your purpose for getting up, right? I love it. I'm very lucky. I, I tell people actually most days how grateful I am to find some of the, you know, I believe I'm good at, I get good results. I got, I've got happy clients and it, it pays a, a nice living. So I'm very lucky, very lucky indeed. It's a great space to be in. And so today I really wanted, to, wanted you to kind of come on. And what I was hoping to really talk to you today is, you know, for the salesperson, for them to kind of understand, you know, how the consumers change, how their process kind of needs to adapt because of the yeah. sheer amount of information that is currently available, you know, for customers before they come into a retail type environment. Yeah, totally. I think the biggest changes I've seen um, with, with my clients, especially in, like, say, the automotive space, is the consumer is so much better researched before ever picking up the phone or making that web inquiry or walking into a into a show, um, you know, showroom. And and I think that they know they don't want to be sold to. I think that's the biggest thing. They just want someone to help them buy, and they don't want to be patronised, and they they want. They want an expert who can add value and teach them something a little bit different, something they didn't know about, um, and then they want to make their own mind up. And I, I think, you know, a few years ago, not prior to the internet, but a few years ago, a consumer would would speak to maybe six, seven, eight different companies, 
But now, because they do so much research, I think they're speaking of two or three. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, they're, they're, they are so much more knowledgeable than ever before. They're more savvy than ever before. So you know, I think the salespeople have just got to bear that in mind and, and know that they've got to give value by sharing something different that the consumer hasn't really learned. Yeah, that's totally true. I mean, I, I remember when I first started in this industry, you know, <coughs> excuse me, when I first started in this industry, you know, a gentleman would come in or a family would come in and, you know, I'll be looking for a vehicle and, I, you know, it would literally spend the next, you know, two or three hours trying to determine which vehicle was actually the appropriate vehicle for them and their needs. Yeah. Now, you know, you have people coming through the door and they're, they're not looking for a vehicle. They're looking for stock number A7277B. It, it, it's it's like it's, and then the salesperson's going what what we have that what is that what is, do I have that yeah <laughs> it, 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 there's so much information so how can a salesperson I'm thinking that's what we're trying to do here is kind of knowing that now all right what would mm. what would you say would be the top three things that a salesperson should do or maybe adjust in their process knowing the customers coming in like that now. Okay, so I think the first thing is they've got to have better knowledge than ever before. Mm. Something that I recommend to my clients is create like a knowledge Bible. So it's almost like if I was brand like new to your company, you know, and, and it's almost like a, a Word document that everyone can contribute to. And the best sales managers I've seen do knowledge quizzes every Friday morning. They'll ask 10 questions, and it might be about the product, the services, the market, the, the challenges they face, whatever it might be. And all of that in, that content goes into a Bible that every salesperson can digest and, and utilize. So I, I think that's the first thing they've got. They, knowledge is king, and they've got to know more than the consumer. I so think that's that, I think that's so key. Like I, because I'm getting so tired of this, right? And I'm sure you've heard this comment. I've heard this comment where it's like, well, the customers know more about the product than my staff does. Well. Yeah, Why the absolutely. hell do they know more? Like, I mean, they're, they're, you know, you're, you're calling, you're, you're walking around calling yourself a professional. Well, freaking act like one and own your craft and know your product. So that's uh, interesting. I feel hundred percent. You can see how the, I get a little. I'm like, yes. It's interesting, Jason. Thirteen years ago, when I set my company up, I, I was speaking to a prospect sales director, and he said to me, Tony, what's your opinion on NLP? And I'll be totally honest, I didn't know much about it. I'd heard of it, but I didn't know what it was. So rather than just admit that, I sure. used my sales ability and said, I'm on the fence. And I said, what's your view? <laughs> and that was fine. You know, <laughs> that was, that was fine. Yeah, I think so. I got him talking. But when I put the phone down, I was embarrassed. I thought, I'm a professional. I'm, I, I talk, I'm a, a wordsmith. I talk about communication. And I didn't know NLP. So I did a bit of homework. I then enrolled on a course and now I'm a practitioner because I thought, how can I, you know, genuinely go out to give value to clients and not know about the NLP and advanced communication? So, and I, so I think that is my number one is know, really know your product. That, number two is about improving your listening ability because so many salespeople I work with, and I've worked with over 26,000 now, still talk more than they listen mm. and consumers are just bored of it they don't want yep. someone just puking over them so it's you know and the best ideas i can give any salesperson for that number one is just shut up and let them talk and i think the other thing is ask better questions because 
Again, most salespeople I work with, they ask closed questions or loaded questions. They're putting yes. the words in the consumer's mouth, you know? So I think I call this killer questions. And I'll give you a really basic example. I do a lot in the real estate market. And a lot of sales negotiators, they'll say to buyers, you know, have you been looking long? And the buyer will go, yeah. And they'll go, see anything you like? No. And they're just like, shit, you know, I've got, I've got nowhere to go with that. <laughs> so a, a better question that I created was, Mr. Buyer, Mrs. Buyer, what's the best property you've seen so far? Mm, I like that. And That's just, a good one. You know, and it cuts to the chase. It, it just cuts out the noise. And once I hear about that property they love, why that one? What attracted you? What, what didn't you like about it? And now I'm having a proper conversation. So I think to help that listening is asking better questions, which forces that consumer to speak. And then they've got to listen and they've got to question what they're hearing. So I, I think that hundred percent encourages engagement, right? I mean, you know, I, I think what it is, is, is that we think that the customer walks to the door and the very first step is that we need to sell them something. It's like, yeah. it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like, you don't go on a date with a girl on the first night, ask her to marry you. Um, Absolutely. Or maybe some people do, but I, I don't think majority <laughs> do. Um, you know, it's like, you actually want to engage and have a conversation and, and to do so, you're right. You, you need to shut up. You need to do a lot more listening. You need to know where they are. It needs to be, when we speak, it needs to be in the benefit of the customer, not in the benefit of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think to answer your question, I think the third thing, mm -hmm. I always say the fortune is in the follow-up. Yes. And again, what I've seen, although I'm, I'm a believer in you don't sell, you help people buy, that doesn't mean you don't follow up with them. And as long as you follow up professionally, so if let's take the automotive industry, we get an inquiry and we, we find out they come in on a specific vehicle. I want to know what attracted them to that one. I want to know which things they won't compromise on and why, and all the good questions that we ask. And then I want to know, I want to arrange the next step. So if I'm going to put a quotation together, I'm going to tell them, not ask, tell when I'm going to be phoning to get feedback. And I'm going to, I'm going to phone them. And if I don't reach them, I'm going to try again. And then I'm going to email. Then I'm going to text. Then I'm going to send a WhatsApp. And I'm not going to stalk, but I'm going to follow up as I promised, like a professional. Um, and, and to me, if I've created an opportunity and I believe I can add value and help that consumer, I'll keep following up until I get a yes or a no. And if it's a no, I want to know why, which is fine. But otherwise, I'm not learning, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, the third thing is, is don't stop. It's that tenacity. And so many salespeople quit on the second or third or fourth hurdle. And they just think the first. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. And I think, what, why invest your time if you're not going to follow through? It's just insanity that so many salespeople do it. Well, it, it, it just seems to be that we're just always in a space of like acquisition. Like all we want to do is just acquire new inquiries. Now, by the way, I love the fact that you use the word inquiry because, you know, here in, in this part in this part of the world, we, we love to use the word lead. And, and I don't yeah. like that word because inquiry is actually what it is. It, someone just yeah. inquiring. That's all it is. I mean, now, now, now through conversation and through engagement, we might be able to turn them into a potential lead, you know, and set yes. an appointment or something along that lines. But anyways, that's not a sidetrack, but I just, I love the fact that you, you're used to but, language. And, um, and on that, on that, Jason, one question, I, I create these structures for any salespeople who take these inquiries 
And one of the things, because I believe it's a conversation, not an interrogation, you know, people don't want to talk to a robot. And, and one thing that I, I encourage all the salespeople I work with to do is whenever I get an inquiry myself, the first question, they say, we're looking for some training. I say, great, I can help. Um, and my name's Tony, who am I speaking with? I get another number for them. And I say, can I ask you, John, who recommended you to the sales doctors? Mm-hmm. And often they'll go, no, I found you online. I found you on Google. I say, that's great. The only reason I ask is most of my business is recommended to me. Uh, and what I'm doing there subconsciously is I'm getting the source of the inquiry so I know which part of my marketing is working, but I'm planting a seed early that my business is recommended, which I think is powerful, you know? Well, it's also kind of in the, your front loading. I like to use the word front loading. You know, you're, you're planting what you're going to ask for later. Also in your communications outwards, you're – you're answering the question, all right? You're providing value um, in the content that you're sending back to them. But then also you're telling them that here's when I'm going to follow up with you next. Here's Absolutely. what is going to happen next. So you're front-loading it. You know, um, yeah. when I was in the States, I'm originally from the States. I'm not from Canada. But, you know, one mm. of the biggest issues we had was in where, where, I, where I was selling cars was actually in New Mexico. And it's very warm. All right. So, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of just want to stay outside. You don't necessarily mm-hmm. want to come inside. You know, it's just, it's super nice mm-hmm. to stay outside. One of the biggest problems salespeople had would actually be bringing customers into the dealership. They just want to stay outside of the dealership. Right. And, Absolutely. but if you don't identify it and front load them and tell them, well, here's what's going to happen next, you know, you, yeah. you're never going to get to that next step. Agreed. Yeah. I call it signposting, but same thing. Yeah. You that's just, cool. You know, you're being very clear. You're telling them what's going to be happening, and you're you're managing, controlling the process. So now, once these inquiries, so so let's say, and I love this, right? Let's we engage with them. All right, mm. um, we we actually follow up. <laughs> Funny, yeah. It's you know that yeah. hasn't changed, but it's 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 amazing yeah. that we're still training on it, we're still developing on it, but we have to because you yeah. know, as an industry, we're just still not doing it very well. Or very effectively. Um, I wonder why that is. Have you ever thought about why? Like, I mean, I do. I ask a lot of people. I think they feel that the feedback I've had from asking thousands is they think they're a pest. Hmm. And I have to remind them that these people inquired, which means they have an appetite. We don't know how hungry they are, but they got an appetite. So almost by not following up, you're actually saying, I'm not bothered. I'm not that interested in you. So you've got to almost remind them of that. And I think, so the first reason is they think they're pesting. They're a pest of the consumer. And I think the second thing, it's just bad time management. I think they start to get so busy phoning these new inquiries and forgetting about where the gold is. And it was interesting. I worked with the biggest car leasing company in the UK. They, they employ about 120 sales guys. And, and the, what I noticed is they, on average, they would have a speak to the consumer and the most times they would try them again is three times and then they call it a day so <laughs> i said to the directors you need to get a sweep up team who phones all these leads or inquiries yep. that have only been phoned three times and it started off with this one lady called um can't remember her name but she phoned the sweep up she was the sweep up girl that sweep up team now is 16 people and it's the most profitable part of their business now. 
Nice, nice. I actually like the, I like the word sweep up team because that's actually kind of yeah. what we're doing. You know, um, you know, here we have a lot of uh, we uh, we call them BDCs or uh, customer care departments, but it's it's the same concept. Yeah. You're just you're sweeping up what hasn't what's been left on the floor, and and unfortunately, I'm amazed amazed on how many mm. inquiries just get left on the floor because someone mm. feels, and I also feel like there's a process in place that you know yeah. the, the salesperson for someone reason is the one that's empowered to decide when they toss it on the floor that one always yeah. kind of i'm always kind of amazed with that like from an owner's perspective right it's like i've spent, i've spent thousands i mean tens of thousands of dollars to generate this inquiry and then i yeah. have an entry level person that has very little very little investment into the entire part of my business they're the yeah. ones making the decision if the inquiry is going to get dropped on the floor, if they're going to continue to work it. Like, isn't that kind of crazy? Look, insane. And just to add to that, I, I talk, when, I, when I'm speaking on stage, I talk about the value of everything. And what I mean by that, if let's say, make it simple, let's say your average deal is a thousand bucks, right? And let's say every, um, your conversion is 10%. Mm-hmm. So you get 10 inquiries at to a deal. Every inquiry now is worth a hundred bucks. Yep. So, you know, and, and let's say it takes me 10 calls to get a hold of someone. Every every phone call is worth 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. So when I introduce this to clients and they, they work out the value of every inquiry and they print them out and they go around the sales floor saying, who wants 100 bucks? They literally give out these inquiries now as 100 bucks dollars because you've got to get across the point every what's the value of everything. And once they see it as Jesus, this is a hundred bucks here. <laughs> why am I, you know, why am I not taking it? It, it? it sometimes changes their perspective. I had a dealership, and we 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 did something very similar. We had a little fun doing it. We actually printed out invoices to all the salespeople and invoiced them for all of their inquiries um, oh. over over the last nine months. And some of these guys were looking at, I mean, ten, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars worth of inquiries. Oh. And it was, it was, it was just, but, but that's what they needed. They needed to see this visualization because this is, you're exactly right. This, this is what it was. So, okay. So, you know, let's say we do, we do follow up. We do get them to engage with us. We do get them into our dealership. You know, how does that process now look with the access of information, how buyers are now buying so differently than they've ever bought in the past? Yeah. So this to me is where sales and service comes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. What I've noticed with some of my clients, be it the dealerships, be it real estate, a lot is I would describe some of the people on the front line as customer prevention officers. <laughs> and you go into a, a, a retail outlet and just people in, in some of my experience are, are either just rude, not engaged, not interested. And what I say to these people, what they're missing is they are the CEO of the first impression. I like that. That's and, good. And, and I think it's so important to remember when we get that phone call at 5 p.m., this is the first time that that consumer has dealt with us. So you are that CEO. And if it's, you know, a walk-in, we don't know the size of the opportunity. So I think to answer your question, it's about remembering that every interaction and and giving them that world-class mm-hmm. treatment and it's you know it's the little thing so if i look at some of the, the dealerships i've worked with I, I teach them to create these 10 commitments and what i mean by this commitment is like a standard 
that if you come and work with me, these are things I want you to adhere to. Mm-hmm. And one of the standards they create is treat everyone like your guests. And what I mean by that, when they question it is, I say to them, how would you treat a guest in your home? And they say, I'd be welcoming. I said exactly the same thing. So when you get someone walking onto your, your front, you know, your, your shop, is are you welcoming? Are you welcoming them into your store? You know, thank you for joining us today. I'm Tony. What's your name? You know, I'm about to get myself a coffee. What can I get you? Tea or a coffee? And sit them down. Let them read a magazine. Let them have a look around. Approach. Don't pounce. And all these little things, you know, are they really be treated as a guest? Or are they just another consumer that you're going to ignore or treat badly? And, and I think that's so important because, and and I actually, um, what I call them, I call them a, a branding cornerstones. Um, they're, they're, and I like the concept of a cornerstone because, you know, it's, it's, it's what holds everything kind of up or even maybe like a foundation, right? Kind of holds yes. the building kind of up, right? Um, yeah. You know, I think a lot of businesses actually struggle to first define what those are. But, you know, yeah. but, but when we can define what those are, right, those yeah. now can give our processes and our efforts a direction. You know, for yes. example, if it's if the if a cornerstone for that business is, you know, welcoming someone into their home, having that type of feeling to it. Well, I mean, think of the little processes that would have to change. I mean, I can't yeah. tell you how many dealerships I've walked into actually sat stood in the middle of the dealership. And everybody is too busy. Everybody, I mean, I, I've stood inside dealerships for easily ten to fifteen minutes before someone approached me. But frightening, it is. But but if if your cornerstone is that, then you then there has to be a process. There has to be personnel. There has to be training. It's it's you know it's it, no matter what you see anybody in the showroom, you stop, you go over, you greet them, you shake their hand, you welcome them into your home. So I think that's key as a process. So I work with the biggest kitchen retailer in the UK. They've got a, about, about we've currently got 120 stores, but they're expanding to wow. 250. Yeah, but big business. And, um, and, and I deal directly with the owner, this billionaire, great guy. And they, they've created this system so that they always have the CEO with the first impression on that front desk. So when someone walks that's in, awesome. they stand. Yeah, and they're, <laughs> morning, welcome to us, you know. Uh, and, they, and they let them walk around. And they approach, they give them about 60 to 90 seconds. And the line they use is this, because this is the thing I've seen. Normally, they'll go up to them and go, um, do you need any help? And obviously, they're going to get, you know, I'm good, I'm good. So the line that we gave them was, has anyone helped you yet? And you know that they haven't been because you've been watching that consumer. So they're going to go, no. Or they'll go up to them and they'll see they're looking at this kitchen in like a navy colour. And the guards will say, just to let you know, that comes in a turquoise, a grey, and my favourite, this beautiful, bright maroon colour. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? So it's just, it's those little lines that is engaging, it's interesting, and it's a bit different. Yeah. Well, see, I, but I think that's the interesting part that a lot of businesses, no matter in the vertical, can actually, you know, uh, take some value away from, is that your brand is not made of big monster things. Like when people think mm-hmm. of trying to find uh, who they are as a brand or what their differentiating factor is, um, you know, from other businesses, it's, it's never big monster things. It's usually yeah. a series of very little things, but those little things is what actually makes a huge difference in the consumer's eyes. Agreed. So I, I mentioned earlier that I do a lot in the real estate and they, they get most of their business is inquiries, be it a walk-in yeah. to their branch, 
phone call, web inquiry, whatever it might be. So, and I was with one this week, actually on Monday, and they get they get a valuation. I don't know if you, it's the same in Canada, but a valuation. They'll, they'll, yes. they'll phone up, yeah, to yep. value their property. And what they were doing was just taking the call pretty badly and then sending a boring email going, you know, John, the valuer, will see you this day, this time. What I've said to them is it's boring and they're trying to command the highest fees in the market. So I said, if you're going to command the highest fees, you've got to be different, right? Yep. So what they've now introduced this week, because they loved it, is they're now doing a really good phone call because I've given them a great structure. Then they're going to get an email template to confirm the appointment. But on there, they're going to have an intro video of the valuer who's coming out to see them because the value is not the one who took the call. Yeah. So it'll be like, hey, I'm, you know, and on the back of that, the back of that 15 second intro is edited a video testimonial from one of their happy vendors. Oh, that's, how, that's cool. You know, and then on the back of that, we're going to send them, we're going to take them hand delivered envelopes. The color of the envelope is the color of their brand. So in their case, it's pink. And, you know, yourself being orange. And when you open that envelope, it's going to have five things. It's going to have a letter confirming the appointment. It's going to have a biog of the valuer, picture, testimonials. Then it's going to have a meet the team. Then it's seven tips to sell your property. So it's giving value. And this is the killer. This is the one that, to me, gets best results. Ten questions to ask your real estate agent. So what they're doing is they're priming, you know, they're priming their vendor of what questions they should be asking their agents. And these are the best ways to highlight their strengths and their competition's weaknesses. So most of the competition won't even have answers to these questions. And if they do, they're never going to be as good. So one question one is how many days a week are you open? And this this real estate is open seven days a week and all their competitions (laughs) five days a week, you know? So it's just it's ways to stand out, be different, and be memorable. Well, and the cool thing is it actually is driven by one of those kind of those branding cornerstones. What I mean, the, the funny yeah. thing is it wasn't just a good idea. I, I I'm always concerned about good ideas. When I when I hear someone come into a, one of our meetings and it's like someone raises their hands, like I got a good idea. I'm like, ooh, because um, good ideas not aren't always necessarily grounded into an actual why. It's just a good idea. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, but, but this was not the case. I mean, you guys have put a process together. You guys have put material together, and and you did all of this with a very clear goal in mind, but Absolutely. ensured that 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 the process, the efforts, was completely in line with what the why of the business is. Totally, and and what they found, you like you touched on earlier, is the the vendor. Is better research than ever before. So they, yes, they're going to get three valuations out, but I almost guarantee only this, my client will be doing this. Yes. So I, I believe before they even met that valuer, they pretty much made up their mind. The purpose of the appointment is just to confirm that their idea was correct. And they, they will convert better and they will command higher fees. So it's just, it's teeing it up and setting up just to, demonstrate how we do things that little bit different well it's not enough that we just say it we can't just come out to consumers and say you know that we are the the premium boutique Mm. agency or you know we we can't we can't just come out and say we actually have to show it we have to live it we have to do it right you know i mean if if they were i mean obviously I, i imagine they're probably making some pretty bold statements if they're at if they're 
demanding kind of a premium type fee and they own their they're providing a premium type service right correct correct exactly that. and therefore and what i said to them is if you're commanding this premium fee your service has got to be exceptional everything uh, you do yes. has to be exceptional it, you know, which it, can't, we can't just get. say it. we have to do it we actually have to do it that's, that's the kicker and it's cool when you're able to put processes like that i mean all the way down to the the pink envelopes yeah it's yeah, just it's, it, it's on brand it's on point and i imagine it's probably a, a thicker card stock more premium card Correct. stock like everything was just Correct. more premium filling to the approach which supports the entire premium efforts of the brand right exactly that exactly that so i mean i think for any dealerships out there that are listening to this right now um i mean you can't i can't imagine how much time really kind of needs to be put into this you know to define these these cornerstones you had another word for it too you were calling them yeah commitments the 10 commitments, commitments yes the, the uh, 10 commitments yeah 10 commitments I and i think and i think you know when i when i deal with this kitchen retailer they what they notice is a lot of the consumers coming in were families mum dad with young kids of course and the challenge if the kids aren't occupied mum and dad can't concentrate so what they did to begin with they said well let's have some crayons and pads that was cool. Sure. Then they said, let's have some fruit juices and sweets and ask parents permission. But then they thought, how can we make it even better? So what they did is they got printouts of specific characters like Superman, Batman, so or, you know, SpongeBob. So when, when a kid came in wearing a T-shirt, like a Batman T-shirt, they would give them the Batman printout with black and yellow crayons. That's a bit more engaging. Well, it's it's providing the experience, right? Like, I mean, you're 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 creating an experience for the parents. You're also creating an experience for the kids. You know, it's a part. I imagine that was probably one of those ten commitments the company made. Was that is that correct? Exactly, correct. Exactly that. So, and and I think you've got to, as a business, they've got to sit down the management, the directors, and say what are what's important to us, and more importantly, what's important to our consumer. And when they really get that. That, and they should get all the staff involved and, then, and create these 10 golden rules that they live by. No, 100%. And, and I, I just I can't push companies enough out there to really take the time to define these yeah. 10 commitments. I, call, I like yeah. to call them cornerstones, but commitments. I mean, I like the word commitment because that's, that's actually that's what it is, right? You're, yeah. you're, you're having to actually not only say it, you actually have to commit to doing it. And then once you've defined these 10 commitments, then you let those commitments give your, your how your process, a direction, everything gets defined by those commitments. How do you reach out to your customers? How do you answer the phone? How are you going to send out mail pieces? How do you greet them? You know, how do you, um, how do you provide experience for the children? All of that is defined by those 10 commitments, but I feel like, well, just to add to that, Jason, sorry to jump in one example, going back to this kitchen retailer, is it's you know it's all about presentation. One of the commitments is we we are we are presented impeccably. So in the back room, and I can't take credit for this, one of their branch managers came up with this, but it was genius. Is in their back room where only their staff can see, they've got this really wide mirror that's about seven foot high, and they've got a sign above the mirror that said, This is how our guests see us. So when they walk out to the shop floor. You know, which they call their stage. How are they looking? Because this is how you're being perceived. And are you presented impeccably? Which I love. 
And, and you know what the neat thing is, is by developing out those commitments, letting those commitments define out your processes, is that those processes and those commitments start to intertwine with each other. And then you get this crazy thing I call culture. Yeah. You know, like it, it yeah. creates culture. It, it creates mm. employees, the managers. It's their why, right? Now they're behind it and they're all working together. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a vision that everyone can abide by, live, breathe. And that's why I think it's important rather than be told that the team be told, I think they need to do it together and create what, you know, whether it's in their branch or their business, what are these 10 core values that we live and breathe by? What a phenomenal, incredibly valuable strategy. Thank you so much for taking the time to come jam with, or jam with me today. Um, just awesome. Awesome. Really, really good stuff for, for people out there that would love to connect with you and learn more about what you and your company does. What is the best way to connect with you? Yeah. I mean, go on my website, which is three W's sales doctors.co.uk. Um, there's, there's my, you know, our in, in email address, uh, on there and info app, but please post a, a message. I've also, I run a group called sales doctor Q and a on LinkedIn. Um, and I've, I've got, you know, 350 members now, and it's, it's basically a group that allows salespeople to pose their most challenging questions. Uh, and I'm on it the whole time, you know, and, and what I notice is as well as me giving the answers, the whole group get involved and share their perspectives and opinions, which is great. So feel free to join that group. I'd, I'd love, love to have you guys on there and, 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 and add some value to the group. Well, I, now you definitely got 351 because I'm, I'm going to literally going to pull up with that on my phone right now and we're going to go ahead and add myself to it. <laughs> hey, again, thank you so much for jamming with me today. I, was, I had a great time. Thanks, Jason. Lovely, lovely meeting you. Thanks, you too. We covered a bunch of great topics today. What stood out most to you? Be sure to let us know in the comment section below. And don't forget to like the post and share it to keep the conversation going. You can follow Jason on all social media platforms by following Strategy with Jason. You can find him pretty well everywhere you can share content. I hope we were able to get you thinking. And until the next time, have a great day.